In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The kingdom of heaven, says our Lord, is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. The landowner goes out at dawn, midday, noon, and at the end of the day to find laborers for the vineyard. But when the day is ended, all receive the same wage. Now notice how the landowner will pay his laborers. I don't mean that he pays them all equally. We know that. That's the parable. Think about how he's paying them, the way he does it. He begins with the last to arrive and moves down the line towards those who were hired first. Why? The landowner, or our Lord, in telling us this parable, is intentionally provoking an awkward situation. If the landowner simply wished to be generous, he could have paid the first workers who arrived early in the morning and then took the other workers aside and paid them afterwards in secret, while the longest working laborers went home satisfied with their agreed-upon wages. But that's not how the landowner does it, is it? He intentionally makes this awkward. He's trying to underscore his generosity, but not out of pride, not so that he would appear generous, but to make a point to us. The workers who worked all day have not been cheated. They were paid the wages they agreed to at dawn, and yet they're dissatisfied. Why? And what about us? Would we be satisfied with this? Would we be content to see those who have not worked an hour paid the same as us who had worked all day and borne the heat of the day? Do we appreciate what we have only in relation to what other people do not have? Do we consider ourselves blessed only when we discover that other people have less? Are we grateful for the things we have when we discover other people have more? Do we doubt God's love for us sometimes because we determine that others do not suffer or face the problems and difficulties that we face? The Lord chooses to teach in parables so that his words are applicable to all of us. He could have spoken plainly to his disciples and used examples that would apply strictly to their lives, but he didn't. Christ wants to pose these questions to us as well. Are you envious because God is generous? Perhaps our Lord could say to us, you have everything that God has promised you. And even more, even more, without asking for it or working for it, you have your faith, first of all. You have the grace of faith poured into you through baptism. You didn't ask for that. As an infant, you didn't wish for that, but it was yours. You have been placed on the path of heaven because of this, though you didn't ask for it. You can be forgiven any sin you commit, should you ask in confession. I have given you the most precious gift of the Holy Eucharist, he says, where I give myself to you completely in love. You have been given knowledge of the way to eternal life. What else is more important than all these things? What else that you do not have? Money, material possessions, worldly success, these are nothing compared to what God has offered you. None of those things last. None of those things can get you to heaven. It's not that those things are evil, no, but the things this earth 
has to give us are given for a purpose. Firstly, for our material needs. The laborer deserves his pay. But save our material needs, the things of this world are entrusted to our care and not given to us as some reward for God, from God. If God chooses to entrust us with some material benefit with which others do not have, it is because of God's providence. In God's providence, we have been given the quality of discernment to make use of that particular gift for the glory of God and for the sanctification of his people. And people can also get, get, uh, often get bogged down the concept of a tithe. Protestant Christians are always very eager to argue that Christ abolished the entire law and the prophets of the Old Covenant, and that there's no place for law and sacrifice in the life of Christ. And yet, Protestants are famous for their devotion to the tithe, to the giving of 10%, which of course is found nowhere in the Gospels. It's a law of the Old Covenant. The Lord demonstrates his concept of generosity through parables. In this parable, we see how his generosity benefits everyone. It's not based upon need or upon merit. In another parable, our Lord will speak of a poor widow who gives all she has to the temple. There is no limit to the generosity of God. It is not dealt in percentages, and it never counts the cost. The parable in our gospel today is intentionally designed to force us into questioning our notion of fairness and of justice. The mercy of God has nothing to do with fairness, or else we would never receive his mercy. The kingdom of heaven is not fair in a worldly sense. The grace we receive and the love of God are not shown in some certain limited amount of substance that can be divided up into parts. If God's love was given fairly, none of us would ever see heaven. We could never work hard enough to gain heaven. No, eternal life is offered to us as a free gift, an entirely free gift, and it has to be received as a gift. The challenges and the struggle of this life are offered to us as a preparation to receive the gift of eternal life. So we should be thankful even for them. They're given to us as a gift. Our Lord's parable is meant to to demonstrate to us that we cannot compare what we have or what we have been given with anyone else because everyone is given what they have for the same purpose, for eternal life. God has not been stingy with you. Yet our enemy has taken at his method of action to always cause us to question the generosity of God, to force us into inaccurate comparisons of one another in order to make us doubt God's love for us. We see that in the third chapter of Genesis. Eve is tricked by the serpent to believe that God has hidden from her some blessing, some grace that she would be better off having, and that she should seize for herself before the chance is lost. The enemy lies to her. God knows that when you eat of it, the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The evil spirit plans to draw us into a never-ending preoccupation with ourselves, with our difficulties, our concerns, our worries about how unfair life is, how we deserve more, more consideration, more gifts, more money, more attention, more respect from others, and more from God. 
and this will bite at us unceasingly if we allow it. We will come to hate those who we erroneously believe to be more blessed than us. We will hate God's generosity. And that's the enemy's goal. On this 25th Sunday of the year, Holy Mother Church is trying to shield us from the enemy's plot. Remember the words we heard in the entrance antiphon today. I am the salvation of the people, says the Lord. Should they cry to me in any distress, I will hear them, and I will be their Lord forever. Praise to be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.